Psalm 105. We will read together the first seven verses. Brethren, let us hear God's holy word. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. O ye seed of Abraham His servant, ye children of Jacob His chosen, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Amen. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His precious and holy word this morning. The Almighty Creator of heaven and earth is the absolute sovereign over every event in the history of men, including that which we have experienced at greater or closer distance over the last ten days. He is the one who works all things after the counsel of His own will. Now, to our weak and uh, fallen minds, this may not always appear to be the case. We have to struggle with this in our hearts very often when we are dealt blows that are difficult for us to understand. Nevertheless, whatever comes our way ultimately comes from the wise and loving decree of our God. And He works all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, it's very important to me this morning that you lay a hold of that verse and understand that that isn't just the people who believe in the sovereignty of God, pat on the back verse. Brethren, this is the very heart and soul of our lives. God truly reigns and rules over every aspect and every moment of our lives, even those that seem to be out of control. And we don't just pat ourselves on the back to kind of quiet our stirring hearts and say, oh, well, it'll all work to good. No, God is actively taking the things that He's bringing into our lives and making us like Christ. And you either believe that or you really don't. But those who do can take great joy then in whatever comes. Because even through the tears, we realize that that work is His loving work to make us more like Him. Now, the psalmist calls God's people to give thanks, to praise, and to worship the Lord for His mighty deliverance. The psalm before us, 105, is a song of remembrance. The psalms are broken up into different categories, and there are different types of, of psalms, uh, if you are not aware of that. And this is one that is categorized as a song of remembrance. And the verses that we have read are an extended summons to praise God for His mighty works, to praise Him and to worship Him and to thank Him for what He has done. And in light of God's remarkable deliverance of Mount Zion Church and the ministries that flow from it, uh, we want this worship service to be one of thanksgiving and of praise. As we survey the catastrophic destruction to our little city, the fact that our little building still stands with minimal damage and, and very, very little loss of property, is an extraordinary mercy from our God. Uh, Brethren, the word luck has been flying around the neighborhood for the last few days, people that are alive. Uh, But brethren, that's not our word. That's never a word for Christians. There is no such thing. Uh, I trust you have purged a long time ago that that word out of your vocabulary. 
there's no such thing as luck. There is a God who rules. As long as there is a sovereign on the throne of eternity, there's no such thing as luck. There is the hand of God and His wise and holy purpose and decree. And brethren, as, this, as we're meeting in this building this morning, I'm astounded and I thank the Lord. All around us is destruction. All around us uh, we find houses and buildings that have been reduced to rubble. Uh, we see trees lying in the middle of what uh, was once someone's home. There's been flood damage beyond things that uh, we could have ever imagined. And yet, brethren, uh, the Lord in His mercy has preserved us. We didn't luck out. God preserved this place. And we ought to be, we ought to be thanking Him. And not just saying, well, whew, glad we made it through. We are glad we made it through. But, brethren, we've got to see it as more than just surviving. But the care, the mercy, and the eternal purpose of our God. We want to praise Him. We want to thank Him. While some of our members have suffered great loss, their homes, their earthly possessions, not one single soul of this congregation was lost or injured. Brethren, our hearts ought to be filled with amens. And they ought to be robust and vigorous and joyful and happy. Amens. This is a signal mercy from our great and our gracious Lord. And in our dullness, many of us are just like, well, that's over. Well, let's, let's just get started back into our routine. No, brethren, we need to stop and bless the Lord. Praise our God. Worship and adore Him. Brethren, uh, I cannot tell you what joy I have as a pastor to look out here and know that all the absences are not because we've had to bury anyone. Or that I won't have to get in the car and go visit someone who's broken up in the hospital today. But that all of God's children that met here two weeks ago are well and profiting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That cannot be said in every congregation in this town. There are empty homes today. There are empty places and pews. Brethren, there's been more loss of life than has been reported in the news. And we praise and thank our God that He has been merciful to us. It wasn't just random mercy. The God of heaven and earth is not random. He has singularly been kind to preserve us and the work He has given us to do. If there is a people on the face of this earth this morning that should be filled with gladness, it should be those gathered here. Not one of you is having to gaze into the, the, the coffin of your, your wife or your husband or your child. Not one of you have had to go down to the morgue and identify a family member. Not one of you has had any injury to yourself whatsoever. Brethren, this is remarkable in the midst of the destruction that is all around us. We made history yesterday as the fourth major hurricane came crushing into our state. And it may, God willing, I trust, I would just like to pray that the Lord would dissipate them. I, don't, I even hate to pray, Lord, send it somewhere else because I'm, I'm not interested in it going to someone else. Lord, if you just backtrack it and put it back out in the ocean and let it go on off, we would be thankful. But brethren, we could even feel something of the wrath of this. And there are two months left in the hurricane season. It's not over. God has been merciful to us. And in a year where we have made history as a state because of destruction and calamity, this little gathering of people ought to be the happiest people in this town. We ought to be rejoicing, not just because we didn't get hurt. You see, if that's all we get to, we're not any different than the lost folks up and down the block. But the fact that God purposed to save His people to serve Him, and that's where the joy of life is. He's got a purpose for us, and He wants it to continue, at least for the present. I know this, he wants us to give him thanks today. If we don't have tomorrow, 
May we go out giving Him thanks today for what He's done for us. We have been spared from the destructive power of the eye of the storm and the wrath of a mighty, mighty hurricane. And furthermore, in the midst of this great chaos and calamity, brethren, by God's tender mercies, we will resume the work of His gospel ministry tomorrow. Eleven days. This is remarkable. It is a mercy of our God. So let us join together this morning with one heart and with one voice in great rejoicing and thanksgiving to our God as we consider His remarkable works and mighty deliverance. The title of this message is, O Give Thanks Unto the Lord. And we want to consider these things. Number one, we want to consider thanksgiving and God's works. Thanksgiving and God's works. Number two, we want to consider praise and God's works. And finally, number three, worship and God's works. Thanksgiving, praise, worship, and God's great works. Now, Psalm 105, I I trust all of you are are aware of the fact that the Psalms are poetry. They're Hebrew poetry. They are songs. And the, the song that we have before us is a hymn of celebration of God's mighty works of faithfulness. And we didn't take the time to read the entire chapter this morning, but had we done so, we would see the glories of the covenant promise to Abraham set before us and God's mighty deliverance because of that promise of the people from Egypt, the extraordinary plagues that he brought upon uh, the enemies of his people and the mighty kings that he brought down uh, because of his great and good love to his people. When we read all of these things, we get to the end of the chapter and it says in verse 42... For He, the living God, remembered His holy promise. He remembered His holy promise. And Abraham His servant. And He brought forth His people with joy. And His chosen with gladness. He brought them out. And He gave them the lands of the heathen. And they inherited the labor of the people. Now notice, brethren, God speaks plainly. Here, the power of God's Spirit uh, illuminates us to the fact that it is God that gives possessions. Possessions are not bad. Possessions are not wicked. Can we make them idols? Yes, we can, of course. We can make any good thing on the planet an idol. Are uh, any of us idolatrous? Let me ask you this. Are any of us not idolatrous, idolatrous by nature in our flesh? Of course. But brethren, possessions are something that God has given us. And here, He remembered His dear people and He gave them a land to live in. And He gave them homes and He gave them uh, uh, farms and He gave them all of the animals and, and the things that they had. And they were to be His people with joy and gladness. And they inherited the labor of the people, it says, that they might observe His statutes and keep His laws. In other words, He saved... He redeemed these people to be a community of people that magnified the God of heaven and earth in their joyful, glad serving of Him in the things that He's given them, in the labors that He's given them, in the things that He's given them. Now, that brings us then to consider this series of imperatives which boldly call us to give thanks to God, to call upon Him, to make His deeds known, to sing to Him, to talk about Him, to glory in Him, to rejoice in Him, to seek Him, and to remember His mighty works. All these verbs, I mean, He's just filled with imperative verbs. He starts off with this one. Oh, give thanks! Now, you know, we... uh, We as a culture are kind of strange. 
people go and get excited about a football game. They get, get excited about a fish they catch. You know, they start talking about how big it is. And their voices get higher and they get more excited. And, and people. You know. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, we're supposed to be quiet and reserved. And to not raise our voices. And to sound something like someone reading you a bedtime story as you're about to fall asleep. That's ridiculous. And that's unbiblical. Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to be antics, uh, that we're supposed to be enthusiasts, that we're supposed to be those bouncing off the wall, but the Word of God is filled with emotion. We're not to be guided by our emotions. We're not to be governed by our emotions. But the psalmist here is filled with praise. He wasn't writing, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. He's saying, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And brethren, we ought to be a thankful people. We ought to be giving exuberant thanks to God today. An exuberant and joyful and celebratory service would bring God glory. Uh, if we're just one notch above uh, uh, the, the local funeral home, that doesn't bring God any glory. You know, so... We're not looking to run around the building and stomp and foam, but at the same time, if we're just sitting here kind of going through the Scriptures like we're reading the latest Reader's Digest, in fact, some people read that with a little more zeal, brethren, we're missing the point and we're not bringing God any glory. He has spared this building. He has spared thousands upon thousands upon thousands of gospel tracts and tapes that we can put into people's hands for eternal life and for the building up of the saints and for the encouragement of God's church. We ought to be thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. None of us is hurt. None of us is wearing a band-aid today because of the hurricane. As some of us uh, might not be all that agile and maybe in cleanup have bruised or nicked ourselves, but uh, that's us, not the hurricane. God in His mercy has preserved us. Brethren, we're all here today for one reason. There is a God of sovereign grace ruling and reigning in the affairs of His children. This is the outworking of His purpose today. We better be a thankful people. We ought to be a joyful, happy, glad people. Now, what do we mean by giving thanks? Now, some of us might think that kind of an unusual question, but could you define that? How would you tell somebody what giving thanks means? That's one of those things we use all the time. What, what do we mean when, when someone commands us, Oh, give thanks. I'm afraid spiritually some of us are like... Uh, when, when, you, when you see the parents... And uh, a child is given a gift by grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, brother, and they take the gift and they just immediately turn around and walk off to start playing with it. And you go, whoa, 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 come back here. Uh, tell them thank you. Uh, thank you. And they walk off to play with the toy. Forced into saying thank you, nothing pours out of their hearts. But brethren, I trust I wouldn't have to force anything out of anyone this morning. You're not in a body bag this morning. God has been merciful to us. Our homes did not collapse around our ears. Thankfully, most got out of town. But we've had remarkable, remarkable stories already. Oh, give thanks. Well, what do we mean by that then? Giving thanks means to acknowledge that someone has shown us a kindness. It's an acknowledgement that someone has shown us a kindness. Brethren, when you prayed this morning, were you thankful that God spared you through the storm? Were you thankful the day after? Have you been thankful? Has your heart overflowed with thanksgiving to our God? Have we acknowledged that He was merciful to us? Or are we kind of like the children that need to be turned back around and go, uh, yeah, thanks. Can we come and with the psalmist in a true biblical emoting, 
Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, the proper response of the human heart to God's deliverance from destruction is thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me. Thank you. The root idea of the word translated thanks here is to acknowledge, to recognize. The Hebrew word ultimately points to recognizing and declaring God's attributes, perfections, and works. I thank you, God, for who you are. I thank you, O oh God, for what you've done. I acknowledge that you are the God who has preserved me. Thank you. Thank you. To give thanks means confessing God's favor and kindness. We need to be a thankful people, recognizing the great mercy and grace of our God and His deliverance in this recent disaster. Now, while many have suffered greatly in this hurricane, God has spared this little flock and its ministries. We dare not take it lightly or for granted. And even more so, we dare not think for a moment that it has anything to do with us. It isn't because there's anything in anyone here that's better than someone else who got a tree through their roof or a flood in their house or who lost a loved one. It wasn't because he looked down and said, oh, there's a nice group. I, I like them. It's because the sovereign God of heaven and earth has a purpose. We are a part of the outworking of that purpose. And he is pleased to use these weak and feeble vessels of dust to go on with that service. And may we praise and thank him and acknowledge that it was his strength that kept the building up. Not just, well, certainly glad we have the, the, the common sense to uh, build it clocked out at 140 mile an hour winds. I was told by those next door that the reason they bought that shed that you see on its back was because it was hurricane-proof. That's why they bought it. That's how they had it installed. It didn't make it. Right next door, what was hurricane-proof didn't make it through the hurricane. Brethren, there's a roof on this building today because God is merciful. Our houses are standing, if they're still standing, Simply because God is merciful. That's all. It's all in His wise, sovereign purpose. And we need to thank Him. Oh, we need to thank Him. As the grinding, tempestuous winds and rain have swept away life and property, God has been pleased to spare us to continue the work that He has begun here. Any one of us here is expendable. He can sweep me on home to glory tomorrow in Mount Zion will go on taking and sending the gospel. It's not dependent upon us. It is all dependent upon the Christ of whom we sang this morning and upon the God who has an eternal purpose. Let us thank Him with all our hearts. And brother, that's how dull we are. About half of us aren't even smiling here right now. Mm -hmm. God has gloriously dealt with us. Now I realize we don't all smile when we show gratitude. We're made differently. Some of our engines are all put together differently. That's all fine. But let me just ask you, is there joyful praise and thanksgiving? Is there an acknowledgement in your heart that God did not sweep you away in the flood? It stopped about 30 feet past this wall. The flood that swept some into eternity stopped about 30 feet right past this building. There was no coincidence. 
It didn't just happen that in God's purpose that this building is right here. God was merciful to us. The Word of God says, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. Not just a little quiet thanks at home. Thank you, Lord. But I will thank thee in the congregation with the gathering of your people. I will praise thee among the people. See, the Lord loves it when His people get together and with one heart and with one voice say, Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mercies. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. Psalm 118. We read Psalm 136 this morning. Now, let's be honest. Did maybe Was there just a little flicker in some of you that about, oh, by about the tenth, for His mercy endureth forever? Was that getting just a little boring, maybe? Are you wondering if maybe, oh, wow, by the time we've got to about the fifteenth one, it's like, no, we... You sound kind of like we're chanting here. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Why did God inspire that? So that His people, at the sound of each of His glorious works, would think one thing, the mercy of God. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. That's the only reason Mount Zion's standing. That's it. That's the only reason any of us have life in our bodies this morning. And of course, we can go even further and point to the ultimate glory is that it's the only reason any of us know who Jesus Christ is here this morning. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. You see, the, the, the psalm that we're reading from was a glorious celebration of God's faithfulness and the outworking of His purpose. But let's not get stuck several thousand years ago. That purpose is still going on. And we're a part of it here this morning. This is a work of God in the outpouring and the unfolding of His eternal purpose. And He's let us be a little part of it. And He didn't sweep us away. He certainly could have. I would say probably just on the weakness of our thanksgiving, He could have swept us away. Oh, may our hearts leap for joy when we realize that our God loves us. He's given His Son that we might have life. And He's continued to give us breath so that we can go on and serve Him like Christians. Psalm 140.13 says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto Thy name. It's like a given. It's like a given. God's people ought to be the most thankful people in the world. Sometimes we're so stingy with our thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You got in that cold shower. (laughs) Did it make you thankful that at least at one time it had been a warm one? Cold showers are really a trip. But brethren, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes in chapter 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God. Now, Paul was, Paul was no dry and dusty theologian. Paul was an emotional man. And very easy for us sometimes when we sit down and we look at the book and it goes chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, to forget that sometimes this is a letter being written to someone, written under certain circumstances, certain occasions, And Paul, very often, if you read him carefully, if you read pleading with the Lord to teach you, you see his heart. It leaps. It's fiery sometimes. He he emotes in the right way. And his heart and his mind are filled with the glory of God. He's overwhelmed. And he says, but thanks, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not something to be... Repeated and monotone like a child learning how to memorize it. Paul didn't write it that way. His heart was overflowing with joy because God had been merciful to someone who had hated his son. And brethren, there was a time when we hated his son. God in his mercy gave us a victory in Christ. And it's ours. Now, let's not get super spiritual. A physical, temporal deliverance 
is as much I mean is as much a work of God as the work of salvation in our hearts. Now I'm not comparing them and making them equal in their value. But brethren, it was the Lord that spared this building, like the Lord who spared your soul. It was his mercy and his grace. Thanks be to God. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Maybe some of you learned that little uh, chorus. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you when you were first converted. How many of you sang that joyfully until some incredible tragedy came into your life and all of a sudden it took on an entirely different meaning? It wasn't a little ditty anymore. It was the reality of life. You know, sometimes it's hard to open up our mouths and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I've lost everything. Thank you that I've lost a friend. Thank you that you've shown me my nasty sins. But brethren, it's the will of God. Thank the Lord. I had someone get a little bent out of shape with me once while we were doing a little counseling. A friend had lost a child and we had comforted and encouraged the parents. And some of the family members were sitting around and and I asked quietly and gently, I said to the parents that had lost the child, I said, have you been able to thank the Lord yet? And there was a literal gasp from the family members. And they said, how can you ask a question like that? I can ask a Christian that question. I can't ask everybody that question. But brethren, in God's extraordinary mercies to us, this morning, we don't have to ask. I don't have to ask you and you don't have to ask me about the loved one we've lost. Not this morning. That may be tomorrow for us. My beloved may be a widow tomorrow. But I would expect you, I'd expect Brother Stephen sooner or later to come to the place to where he could say to her, have you thanked God yet? Have you been able to thank God? Because, brethren, that's when we can say he's given us the victory in Christ Jesus. We've gained something. We've grown some some way. The The... The file of the Lord has sharpened our edge down some. And we're not so dull and blunt like we were. Oh, bless the Lord. We have a God whose most painful lessons to us are His loving hand to make us more like Christ. While there are things that we may grieve over today that we have lost in this storm, we're all here to praise the God who spared us and spared our work and our ministry. What a great and good God. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. I'm not saying that when we say it, that we're always lit up with a a bright smile. But our hearts, when we're in union with Christ, know His good hand when it's in it. Well, we're also called upon, or we're urged, excuse me, to call upon His name. Oh, oh, give thanks. <laughs> oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon His name. The people to whom this psalm was addressed had a heritage. They had a holy history. That was what was being unfolded in the psalms, um, in this psalm. God came to Abraham and He made him a promise. And he kept his promise. That's what we saw at the end. So, this isn't just a nice Hebrew poetry. Call upon his name. 
No, we're being urged to cast our all upon the God who is faithful. Call upon His name. That's not just religious talk, brethren. That's the life of those who know the living God. The heritage of of, of the Jews went all the way back to Abraham. And brethren, our heritage goes all the way back to Him. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are Abraham's seed. The story of the church of Jesus Christ didn't end with the last chapter of Acts. We are the chapter of it now. God is doing something. He's given us a work. And we can be thankful in it. We can praise Him and bless His name and call upon Him because we can trust Him. He has proven Himself faithful. Calling upon His name means crying out to the One who has revealed Himself in covenant faithfulness. That's what the whole chapter is about. That's what the whole song is about. If I were going to paraphrase it, it's we have a faithful God. Cast everything on Him. Believe Him. Trust Him. When it talks about His name in the Scripture, that means the revelation of God. Uh, again, we tend to think in modern English, if, if we think. But when we do get a hold of a thought and it doesn't die of loneliness, one of those things that should go through our mind is when we think of the word name in Scripture, it's a little different than just in English. You know, we, especially those who lived through the 60s, you know, you, know, they, you can tell what rock group they were listening to and they named their children or uh, there was a spate of people named Rainbow and Happy Day, you know, when, when I grew up uh, in the 60s because of the, uh, the frame of mind that would have gripped our culture. But a, a name here, when it talks about God, isn't just a tag. It isn't just a noun that you stick on the thing. What it means is the revelation of who our God is. Who is He? He is the great I Am. He is Adonai, the Lord. He is the God of covenant faithfulness. He's the God who revealed Himself. Brethren, we have a God who penetrated history. He came into our darkness and He revealed Himself. He made Himself known. When Adam sinned, he could have cast off the human race and let every man, woman, and child be born Live, die, go to hell. He doesn't owe sinners mercy. He's not obligated to sinners. He didn't have to say a word to us. He could have just let us go on in abject darkness and we would have all destroyed ourselves. When it says call upon His name, it means trust the God who has revealed Himself and revealed Himself to be the faithful, faithful God. We're being urged to trust Him, rely upon Him. And then it says, make known His deeds. Make known His deeds among the people. Uh, Now, like Israel, we are surrounded in this world, encircled by heathen nations. They're all around. In fact, our culture now has been penetrated time and time again. And we're being overwhelmed by false religions. Our own culture is attempting to engulf the church of the Lord Jesus Christ with an insidious and an encroaching pagan worldview. It's all around us. But it's a pagan world, a pagan worldview to say, I was lucky to make it through the storm. This happened to be my chance. That denies the God who sits enthroned in glory. Now, brethren, what we have before us here is that we as God's people must call upon our God, walk in His way, and declare His great works among the people. The word here, people, is a plural word. Very often when it says the people or my people in the Old Testament, it's talking about Israel. But it's not talking about Israel here. It's saying the peoples, the nations, the lost ones around us, the ones who do not have 
the Word of God. The ones who do not have the law of God. Brethren, we are God's holy colony. We are His community that by obeying Him and thanking Him and making known His deeds, we reflect His glory to that lost and dying world. Several times this week already, someone has said, I'm really lucky that I made it through this storm. Or they'll say, you were really lucky that your house wasn't destroyed. And I say, it was the mercy of God. Make His works known, brethren. All the good things that He does for you, the things that He, all of it's in Christ. Tell them of Christ, but tell them the good things that He's done for you. He preserved us. We're here right now. Because He preserved us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Make known His deeds. Make them known. As God did great and mighty things for Israel, it didn't stop. You hear? It didn't stop. The floodwater stopped. His mercy didn't raise it higher so that there would be a watermark above the door here this morning. It could have. Make known His deeds. It isn't just, oh, well, yeah, you know, I know what you're talking about just to say we got through. Sure glad we got through. No, God preserved me. He preserved us. He preserved all these things. Brethren, that storm storm surge was between 16 and 23 feet. It left downtown at at the low levels in, in, in three feet of water. It flooded many homes, but it stopped right there. about 10 feet from Brother Stevens' home. The wind, which was clocked at 136 miles an hour, stripped roofs off of many homes, snapped off huge pine trees, just like they were toothpicks, uprooted massive oak trees, did not tear this building down. It wasn't just because we had a good architect. It's because of the mercy of the Lord. Well, I could go on. I could just start listing. And I started thinking about them this morning. And I encourage you all to do the same thing. Just to think about all the things that the Lord spared and preserved. Yes, He did take some things. He did some pruning. And I know that it was painful. But every bit of it is the wise outworking. Out of His purpose for His Israel. We need to get out of the mindset that all these are things that we read about back then. We read about them so that we may have confidence in what He's doing now. And He's doing it. We're part of it. And I praise and bless His holy name. Blessed be God forevermore. Blessed be the name of our God forever. Well, we want to talk about praise. Praise in God's work. I wanted to spend most of our time on Thanksgiving. But uh, we could spend equally as much time on all the other heads. But praise in God's work. Those who are alive in Christ through the regenerating power of the Holy Ghost cannot help but praise God for all that He has done for them. Of course, we are not... Uh, there's nothing in our lives that we are more thankful for than His glorious work to us in Jesus Christ. I mean, there's nothing comes close. But He does good things for us every day. And we need to be thankful for those. And we want to praise Him. It's not unspiritual to say, I praise You, Lord, that my house still stands. That's not unspiritual. Now, if you live for that house and that's your idol, fine, God will deal with you. But brethren, it is not unspiritual. It is a wrong view of, of things for us to say, oh well, you know, He spared me, but it really doesn't matter all that much. Yes, it matters. If He left you here breathing, and if He left you with anything, it is for His service and to make you more like Christ. 
book of Job certainly doesn't end by saying, well, the Lord took everything away from him, and at the end, he kept him just the way he was, miserable, so he could be more spiritual. No. He restored to him. We use things. We don't want to be used by them. We own some things. We don't want to be possessed by them. And may God help us because we have a culture that urges us to be utterly materialistic. But brethren, God's preserved us. He preserved this building and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that all those tracks and books back there are not swollen and wet and gone. I'm thankful. And I praise Him. I bless His holy name. I want to show forth His salvation from day to day. And what are some of those ways that we see that? Well, we see in verse 2. This is where praise really pours forth. It says, Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. Hearts overflowing with thanks to God cannot help but sing. Even people that can't carry a tune in a bucket, when their hearts are filled with the joy of the Lord, they'll mangle that tune all over the place to the glory of God. They love it. Their hearts pour out to God. They can't help it. Singing is... That isn't something that just evolved in men. That's something that God puts in our heart. He puts in our hearts a new song. We can't help but praise Him. It's a form of what flows out of us to our God. Oh, we ought to be a happy, joyful, singing people. Singing to God. Hearts overflowing. The psalmist says, Sing sing psalms unto Him. Now, praise always includes singing jubilant praise to our God. And we're not very jubilant sometimes. It's just kind of that morning exercise. One, two, three, four. Verse one, verse two. Yeah. Oh, brethren... I know the day's coming when we're all going to be glad to get rid of this old flesh that we're dragging around. But the Lord of glory dwells within that place and it ought to be a jubilant place. Even when we sense the dullness and the lead likeness of it, when we feel like we're dragging around a carcass before the Lord, we ought to be able to lift up a tune of joy to the King of glory because of what He's doing and because of who He is. See, this is what Israel did. This is why the psalm is here before us. All these different categories of hymns were given to the Lord's people for different things. And as part of their worship, they're being urged, thank Him, cast your all upon Him, tell everybody about Him, sing unto Him. It's the way we ought to be. They weren't, you know, just sitting back and going, mm, hmm, let's see, well, it's, oh, I guess the sermon this morning is about a 7.5. Last week really was about an 8. We'll be praising and thanking our God, magnifying and glorifying Him. Speaking of Him, once again, it says, Talk ye of all His wondrous works. You see in verse 1, Make known His deeds. And then at the end of verse 2, Talk ye of His wondrous works. Both verses are broken up the same way. First, it's thanksgiving to God. And then it's tell people. And then the second verse is, Sing to God. And then it's tell people. But what? Tell them what He does. Tell them what He does. Tell them who He is. The God, that's what Paul did on Mars Hill. The God who made the heavens and the earth. And He set the boundaries of all men. He made everyone of one blood. He, he declared the great glories of God. And then He finally told them the greatest part. The Lord Jesus Christ. Sure, it's always ultimately about the Lord Jesus. Because we could never be blessed apart from the grace He's shown us in Him. Not with the grace of salvation, that is, anyway. He does bless even the lost ones in certain things when it comes to sunshine. All the people got their power back today. It isn't just the people sitting that are faithful in church that got their power back, is it? Nope, there are those who, they were dying for the last ten days because they couldn't get the TV on. They didn't realize the great blessing of the Lord. It says we're to speak of God. And it's interesting. There are those who say, and I've heard them. Perhaps you've never heard this. But I've had people say, well, you know, I don't, I don't talk about my religion. 
I have my own beliefs. Religion is a private matter to me. Well, that's fine. But that's a man-made religion. It's sure in God's. You say, well, not everybody's a chatterbox. We're not talking about chatterboxes. We're talking about people who've met God. And they've got to tell other people about the God they've met. See, if you don't know God, you don't have anything to say. and Therefore, you need some real expensive tapes and seminars to, to give you stuff to say. But if the God of heaven and earth has dealt with you, you can do just like Christ. Uh, you can do just like the man that Christ dealt with, the demoniac. Go into the town and tell them what great things God has done for you. He didn't say, now make sure you go get a Ph.D. at the most conservative seminary that you can, that you can get a hold of. He just said, and he didn't say, now here's the, 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 the five things you tell them. He just said, go tell them what God's done for you. Can you do that? That's what the psalmist is telling us to do. Brethren, can we say to people on the block here this week, can we say to people that we meet, can we say to people that call us on the phone and say, are you okay? Can we say to them, God spared us. God spared these newlyweds. She didn't end up a widow the first week of their marriage. That didn't just happen. That's the mercy of God. Can we talk about our God? That's what we're being told. Well, you know, I'm not much of a talker. Learn. Is there anything in your heart? You can tell them. Well, I don't speak good English. But the Lord saved me. He spared me in the storm. Well, we don't believe that. You just have to be lucky. Well, you can think what you want, but God had mercy on me. You say, well, that sounds like ignorant hicks. You can get a Ph.D. and people are still going to hate your, your God and everything you stand for. Tell them what God's done. Use the best language you can. Just talk about the God of the Scriptures. Tell them of His works. Talk ye of all His wondrous works. And of course, especially, talk to them about Christ Jesus. We should be telling friends and family and people in our workplace and in the neighborhood of God's mighty deliverance. The Lord spared us. Thanks be to God. While we should always give the greatest and most glorious praise to God for delivering us from our sins through the person and work of the Lord Jesus, we must never forget to give Him praise for temporal deliverance. Paul didn't say, well, I'm so spiritual, I don't need to be let down over this wall in a basket to escape from my life. We get some strange ideas about spirituality sometimes. But brethren, God has been merciful to us in a temporal way. And I hope that we will spend days thinking about it and praising Him for it. Well, let me press on because we've got just a little more to do. We want to consider worship in God's works. Worship and God's work. There's, there is thanksgiving, there is praise, and then there is our worship. All of these things actually are part of worship. The words really in many ways are synonymous. These verbs all go together. But verses 1 and 2 basically talk about activities of the tongue. Give thanks. Call upon His name. Sing. Talk. But verses 3 through 7 are reflective. They're moving into the realm of the heart. And it says, Glory ye in His name. Glory in His name. Same thing that we were talking about a few minutes ago. In the God who's revealed Himself to be faithful. If you're here this morning, you have evidence that God is faithful. He has kept you and He will keep you until He's finished with the work. You need to praise Him for it. You need to worship Him. You need to think about that, reflect upon it. Glorying in His name. The Hebrew here can also be translated boasting in His name. Now that sounds like the other part of Scriptures that we run into. It's in harmony with Hebrews when it says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. We didn't get all those tracks out because we were so smart or so because we were so clever or because we have the best system on the planet. We didn't get it out because 
Now we have more room to store. We got it out because God is our helper. We can't go in or go out. We can't walk in His path. We can't do anything without our God. Without me, He says, you can do nothing. We've done enough mistakes here. Every human being in this building that works here made enough mistakes for all of us to just go stand in the, in the corner and be ashamed for a while. This place isn't going anywhere because people have figured out how to make fewer mistakes. It's because God in His mercy is our helper. And these feeble minds and these feeble hands are here because God has put us here and He wants us to go on with what we're doing. We ought to be thankful about that. How many of us here can stop a 136 mile an hour wind? Anybody here? Who can stop the advance of a towering wall of water 20 feet high? Who can, who can prevent the massive trees from being ripped up and thrown down to the ground? Brethren, the folks across the street from us were sitting in their living room as, as this massive storm was going through and their ceiling collapsed. And they ran into the next room and that ceiling collapsed. And they went to every room to find shelter and every one of the ceilings collapsed. They spent the last six hours on their carport. The last six hours of 100 mile an hour winds on their carport. And things were blowing in the air like missiles with such fierce power they couldn't get off their carport to go about 20 feet to the neighbor's door. Not one of you spent a night like that. It's just the mercy of the Lord. And if you had gone through it, the one thing you'd come out saying is, I'm here this morning because of the mercy of the Lord. It's the work of God. Brethren, God has done a work for us. And we need to thank Him. And we need to praise Him. And we need to worship Him. Who could hold a roof on his house? Who could restrain a tornado from snapping the trees in half? Local government? Federal government? FEMA? The sovereign and gracious King of heaven and earth. And because of His love for us in Jesus Christ, the risen Master. He has been gracious. And brethren, all of this, of course, points to a spiritual reality. God has so ordained life because we're slow and because we need to learn some things. He's made all of life so that we can see and have things illustrated for us. Those people sitting under that carport could not get to that door no matter how much they wanted to. They needed someone greater than them to get them in that door. And there's not a soul here that can go to the door of the Lord Jesus Christ in and of Himself. But I'm here to tell you there's one that opens the door and says, Come, come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Brethren, the very storm and the violence of it that came and destroyed this city, it's nothing compared to what God's going to do. Every little temporal judgment that God brings is a wake-up call to say, number one, you're not going to live forever. And number two, my judgment is coming. Every temporal judgment is speaking of that incredible day that we're all going to be uh, partakers of. And we want to worship our God now. When men predicted that we would likely not have water for one to two months... It came on last week for many. When it was predicted that we would not have electricity in two to four weeks, in under two weeks, we're here this morning in an air-conditioned building. I was expecting for us to all come together today and possibly just sweat together to the Lord. Why do we have this? The mercy of God. That's all. Now, we could have sweat and we'd love Him just as much. But he was pleased to bring the power up yesterday. So by God's astounding grace, in under two weeks, we will be resuming our labors for him at Chapel Library tomorrow morning. We need to praise him and, give, and be thankful today. Tomorrow is not just another day for Mount Zion. It's a signal mercy that God has spared us. What mercy, what grace, what kindness, what love from our God.
and it's because he wants his son exalted. So let's exalt him today. Let's magnify him today. Well, I could say some more about seeking God and about remembering God as it comes in in verse 4 and 5. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face evermore. Remember His marvelous works that He hath done. His wonders and the judgment of His mouth. But who is this addressed to? O ye seed of Abraham. Who should be thanking Him? Who should be singing unto Him? Who should be praising Him? Those who have been delivered. Not only in the temporal sense, but in the spiritual sense. Brethren, have we not had that storm? We should still be the happiest people on the planet because God has delivered us from the penalty of our sins in Christ. So the Lord has simply magnified us, excuse me, has magnified that truth to us. And I want us to see it. We want to remember. We want to remember the dark, windy skies uh, a few days ago, the day we left, was lowering and dark clouds gathering on the horizon. Growing up in Hurricane Alley, of course, I remember that feeling. It feels different than just a rainstorm coming up. There's a difference for those of you that have been through hurricanes. There's just something about it. But those skies, the threatening clouds, the, the solemn sense of danger that preceded the hurricane. And to think that we're all here this morning with no injuries. No injuries. Beaches and property were obliterated. Concrete and brick buildings were reduced to piles of rubble. Metal buildings were uh, peeled back. They were blown apart. They were flattened. Mighty oaks and towering pine trees were ripped out of the ground or snapped off like matchsticks. Trees everywhere crushed houses and sheds and cars. Roaring winds hurled rubble like so many missiles and debris. Floods washed away houses, possessions, and many lives. And satellite pictures, I'm told, even tell us that this storm hit with such incredible force that it altered our coastline. And there's not a soul in this building this morning that sustained physical injury through that. That's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. 
It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.